0: This podcast
1: is about biofuel. My dad's a chemical engineer. And all my life, when I was younger, I didn't really know what he did. He went to an office and it seemed kind of boring. But now that I have a greater insight, what chemical engineers do is kind of magical. The world needs certain molecules. And they they split apart some molecules and convert them into the molecules we need. And I went to this engineering conference and I was surrounded by a bunch of chemical engineers and I was definitely like the odd man out, but I, I learned a lot. And now I've drunk the Kool-Aid and I believe in biofuel as, as a potential solution for a lot of our energy problems and for climate change. So
0: what is biofuel? I know that there's like secondary and primary biofuel. Mm -hmm. Can you you just explain what biofuel is?
1: Let's say you take gas in your car. What is that made of? It's octane, right? It's a bunch of carbon and hydrogen. There's no rule that it has to come from fossil fuel from the ground. You can capture carbon and hydrogen from all sorts of different sources and engineer it into gasoline. And if you're not taking it out of the ground, you know, if you're taking it out of the atmosphere, for example, combusting it in a car, it's not adding any new CO2 into the atmosphere. It's just circulating the CO2 that's already there. You can use any sort of biomass and through a process, convert it into types of fuel. Types of biomass are corn, or corn stover, which is like the husks, you know, the the unusable parts, sugar cane, wheat, municipal solid waste, which is like um, garbage, uh, sewage, forestry waste, uh, used cooking oil. Like all of these things can be engineered into the fuels we need. And all of them are better for the environment than taking new oil out of the ground. Like, for example, people used to, pay money like fast food places like mcdonald's used to pay money to take away their their used cooking oil now they charge money because it's found out to be of value like they they can turn it into something of value what about the energy it takes to
0: convert these things that you mentioned the the you know the corn husks and
1: i mean obviously it takes energy to to convert that anything (laughs) that's funny because i you you know I don't want to make this into an ad for my dad's process, but and we'll get to my dad's process soon. Like I want to just talk about biofuel in general, but my dad's process actually uses the energy derived from the the biomass and uses that to generate electricity or, you know, it, to power the process so that it doesn't actually require any external input of energy other than what is contained within the biomass the energy is locked in the biomass And this process unlocks it it's funny when you think about it like all energy comes from the sun i'm sort of going on a tangent but like even oil is solar energy in a way because thousands of years ago the sun allowed the plants to grow it gave energy to the plants and those plants died and then after like thousands of years of heat and pressure that became oil the idea i guess is to derive the energy from above ground rather than below ground. There is a world where having a gas guzzling car is more environmentally friendly than having like a Tesla because bio oil or the bio economy, it can be carbon negative. That is to say it can reduce carbon out of the atmosphere. Whereas electricity as it currently stands is, some of it is made renewably, like some of it is from wind, some of it is from solar, but not enough. They're still sometimes combusting fossil fuel to generate electricity. Beyond that, there's also the issue of like the battery, the lithium that's toxic to the environment to like extract it. Well, not just that,
0: the fracking um, is 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 very environmentally destructive.
1: All these energy companies that we say are bad and evil, like you know the the Exxon Mobiles of the world, they could turn to bioenergy companies. I don't know if you're wondering how it's possible that you could actually reduce the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere from this, but I'll tell you, it's like the plants, the biomass, they take CO2 out of the atmosphere, right? And then we convert some of that into the oil, but then there's a leftover amount that's in this stuff. I guess you'd call it like biochar. It's like this leftover material. And then you use that leftover material as like a soil amendment so that the net result is that you're taking out more co2 from the atmosphere than is combusted in the engine from the the fuel
0: what is the most efficient way or like you were saying i think last time you're talking about using algae yeah,
1: yeah. My, my dad's process is uses azolla and algae he, the industry is scrambling like i you know i saw all these different presentations one peep one person was like growing sugarcane another person was using forestry waste another person was using wheat stalks like anything can be you could even recycle old plastic and in- i wouldn't recommend this but old plastic could be recycled into fuel because again all these things are made from the same carbon and hydrogen and whatnot and it can be reconfigured in a million different ways the reason i like my dad's process is because it would presumably and again this requires you know this is really early stage it makes makes a lot of testing and whatnot but you can grow it and cultivate it in like a facility next to the oil refinery such that your azolla is like this water based fern it grows very very fast And so you can cultivate it in this indoor facility under LED lights, which are powered by, you know, the you know, the the electricity generated from the process goes back into growing it and it gets gasified and sent into the refinery as bio bio crude oil right next door. And so that saves us the trouble of having to drive around and collect the forestry waste or drive around and collect the used cooking oil or whatever, because that's all kind of an environmental negative. And if you got the LED lights in the grow room, you can maybe put a little weed in the (laughs) corner.
0: So, and again, are they
1: doing this? They're rushing because there's some kind of mandate? There's a federal government mandate. Currently, it's like somewhere around like 4% or 5%, but eventually it'll be a higher percentage of the crude oil that goes into a U.S. refinery has to be from a sustainable source. So this is great because this mandate is motivating people to create all this infrastructure and if we can get 5 to 10%, that's a good start but also as the you know the the goal is to make pricing parity such that extracting a barrel of bio crude oil should cost the same or less than extracting oil from the earth and once that happens, there's no longer a reason to extract it from the earth. So at the moment, it's so subsidized that every gallon of biofuel, you make more money from government subsidies than you do from the actual fuel. But eventually, it should become economical to the extent that there's just no, no more reason to extract it for the, from the ground. I wanted to also mention another thing. People are really obsessed now with sustainable aviation fuel. And diesel and stuff because there's currently no electric plane that can take you from say like Los Angeles to Sydney, Australia. It doesn't even exist. So these planes are all jet fuel. They're and the you know the military and whatnot. They're all burning fossil fuel. And there's like no current way around that. If you create a, a aviation fuel from from uh, these sources, then it solves that problem. Also oil, you know, not oil tankers, but um, like container ships, these huge diesel burning ships, like they, there's no electric container ship, like, you know, electric vehicles only account for kind of personal transportation. Basically engineering is all about incremental improvements and optimization. And that's kind of what over a long, 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 long time gets you from from like stone tools to aircraft carriers, you know, it's just a this constant technological tweaking, 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 and there just hasn't been as much time. Beyond that, there's not enough of one biomass yet because we haven't, you know, you don't want to um, take away from the food supply, right? So, so you you I we haven't had a sustained cultivation of fuel biomass as of yet. And you don't obviously it's better not to use actual like corn, for example, because people eat corn. You know, you want to use the parts that people don't eat and you want to use land that's not arable for food, because if energy and food were competing, the poorest people could potentially go hungry. It's like really important um, not to use arable farmland for this. It's because you don't have to. Well, you know, it's
0: interesting. I was at the the tofu place. I go to this tofu place, Meiji Tofu, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like one of the only places in L.A. that actually makes their own tofu. Uh, there's a couple wow. of places, but they, it, they, in fact, they sell their tofu to some like stores like Nijia Market, and um, but I go there because they have a special tofu you can only get in the store it's called Kumidashi and it's this Mm -hmm. really beautiful, creamy tofu. And it's in like Gardena. It's like really far away from me, but there's this byproduct that is made when they make the tofu Hmm. from soybeans because they basically process the soybeans and it's the little like leaves, like leaves, like the little skin of the, of the soybeans. Oh. And, uh, Actually, it's interesting because that particular byproduct is called Okara. And some Japanese actually use Okara in some baking. And it's also used as a feed. But it's interesting, too, because you go to this place and, you know, the tofu's expensive. It's like, you know, like, I don't know, 6 $7 for, you know, just like a, a block of tofu. But it's handcrafted. But you can get two pounds of Okara. Mm-hmm. For like three bucks, yeah. So, so so you know the 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 product is the tofu. The okara is the byproduct. So obviously the byproduct that sometimes they I guess they use it for animal feed and they also use it for some recipes. But the byproduct is generally much cheaper because yeah. it's not it's it's not Doesn't sought after.
1: Have an obvious use.
0: So that okara could probably be turned into fuel
1: yeah, I would imagine it can be. I mean they, literally there there are places now that treat you know the sewage like literally human waste is being turned into fuel carbon and hydrogen can be found in a lot of places okay. so are there factories right now doing this in scale? there have to be yeah because even though the industry is kind of in its infancy, they're still coming up with that whatever four or five percent now and in I think it's actually a little more advanced in Europe we there we I met a person who was in a German company, and they have been operating for like twenty years and they they have a few plants in America too so yeah it, it's already starting it's already happening, and it's kind of a a bit of a gold rush now because not only. Um, Does the energy itself have value? People are also trying to capture all these government incentives. I I had actually thought of this myself, um, and I'm impressed that somebody's doing it. I don't know, like, I know a lot of vegans are against uh, genetic engineering, but I met a professor from Australia, and he's using the CRISPR, you know, the gene editing technology to increase the yield of the biomass, you know, the like whatever plants are being cultivated for um oil he he found a way to double the um the useful parts of it such that it it doubles the output of bio oil it sounds like the beginning of a horror movie it could be i don't know but (laughs) like no i I mean people are are genetically engineering foods for you know greater for whatever higher yields and then the green slime took over los
0: angeles so, so all right, so where do you fit into this? Because obviously you're interested in it. Your father's yeah. been in the industry. Right. So
1: I'm just trying to help my dad get his company off the ground. You know, we have a patent for his process. and we you know we put it in an LLC and we're kind of like talking to people. It requires some testing because everything, you know most of what he's developed has been technologically proven, and he's just kind of reconfigured things from different places put them together but there is a couple parts of it that um make sense on paper and so we need to actually do some lab testing um so what do i fit in i guess i'm in like business development i'm definitely not a chemical engineer so i guess you'd say i'm in business development with the company does
0: the process have a special name is it the keller process
1: well the company is called sustainable transportation fuels llc wow that's sexy process i guess does not have a name but uh, oh you can call it sus yeah, sus. S T S. Stis. Stis. It's not oh, sus. Okay, sorry. Yeah, well, it's, it's sustainable. Strength. I think sus. Yeah. Sustainable transportation. Stiff. Stiff. Um. The sus process. Yeah. So his his bio oil could presumably be turned into you know it's crude, so it can be refined into gasoline, uh diesel, aviation fuel, like whatever like the market needs really.
0: Well, that's really, really amazing. So are you how are you going to build your company? Is it just basically going to build
1: proposals
0: or how are you going to...
1: We were talking to some sort of incubator firms while we were there. So it's possible that one of these incubators could invest or we could partner with a university. We talked to a couple of universities because kind of the next step is to lab test everything. That could be done with the assistance of a university or with one of these you know my dad consults with a bunch of different green energy firms so like one of them could partner with us cuz once it's we've done some lab testing then we could go into like a we have enough data to do uh, more simulations and then once that happens i guess it would be ready to create what's called a demonstration plant which is a small scale plant of what would be next to the refinery and then you know once the demonstration plant i you know if everything pencils out it's it's um it's like I, I. It seems as though my dad has like designed a better, for lack of a better term, you know, like built a better mousetrap. You know, like this could solve a lot of the difficulties in the biofuel industry. But we need to verify. Well,
0: I wish I could help you. Maybe if you need any uh, skits on social media about
1: biofuel, <laughs> maybe Captain <laughs> Vegan can be involved somehow. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's the alter ego. I mean, th- this is essentially, um, you know, vegan fuel because it comes from vegan sources.
0: I love the concept of not taking the 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 fuel or the carbon from the ground. You're actually just repurposing the carbon.
1: Oh, and the other thing I learned from this that I thought was really good was that they everything is measured. You know, they have this thing called a carbon intensity score, and they used they said like this is how we avoid greenwashing. Because, you know, how like you and I, we talk about different firms and there are different like kind of climate initiatives. And we say, like, you know, this part aspect of it, the packaging is suspect. This is suspect. Um, When you measure everything, every ingredient, every bit of transportation, every like everything that goes into an end product from its raw materials to its processing, to its shipping, all that, you get a carbon intensity score, you know if something is really um environmentally like if it's literally if it's carbon neutral carbon negative or carbon positive which is is bad you know carbon positive means it's adding co2 yeah so it's just Uh, math it's It's, uh, just not it's not a
0: subjective yeah yeah look at this plastic container
1: right exactly and i think this this mathematical approach is not it's useful it's extremely useful in this clean energy place space in in um comparing different processes, but it's also useful in consumer goods, um, because you can find out if this is real or if people are just blowing smoke, you know. And this is just good for um, if you know you want to compare like if corn stover is better than municipal solid waste, if um, the hybrid is better than the the fully electric car, you assign it's all quantitative. So you can know exactly like what uh what is optimal. But it also does depend on government subsidies right now. The, yeah. Maybe getting the plants up require subsidies just like any any infrastructure requires some level of like investment and subsidy but the great thing is that once you have it up and running the cost of extracting you know the cost of crude oil is generally higher than the cost of the biomass that goes into these things so they can you know like my dad projects that his plant could potentially pay for itself in like a year or two and then it doesn't require much to much Input to run it from then on, but again, you know, I don't want to like, uh, what do you call you uh, overpromise? This all requires like a, a great deal of verification and testing. So,
0: it'll be interesting. I mean, as we continue with the podcast, maybe you can give us a report if there is some interesting things that are going on with biofuel, and hopefully,
1: they're. I mean, obviously, it's positive stuff. Biofuel corner. Well, the other thing is that what I like about this is that it doesn't require people to change their behavior. Because we see how hard, like from veganism, it's so hard to get somebody to change what they're used to, like eating meat. So, what you know, sometimes the solution is to make, for example, lab-grown meat. So they still get meat, but nobody has to suffer. So this is like people want their gas-guzzling SUVs. We can't get them to change their mind on that. So why not just change the source of their fuel so they have the same experience, but it doesn't cause the same harm.
0: Yeah, I remember we were talking today on the phone about, you know, the, the podcast and I was mentioning um, electric cars. And it's really interesting because, you know, some people have a similar experience or maybe they have a better experience having an electric car if they can have if they have a hookup. But a lot of people that have like apartments and they rely on um, stations or if they take charging a, stations or if they take a cross country trip it greatly affects their lives having an electric vehicle especially if they can't get it
1: charged yeah it takes a long time to charge and they sometimes have to what like wait in line for the charger right yeah
0: the tesla network is is much uh more um robust but there's other you know there are all these all these um car companies are making electric cars that uh are not getting supported by uh by proper stations. Right. And they're also there, there are a lot of these, um, car companies are using, um, free, uh, station use free electricity as an incentive to, to, to buy the car. Oh, So it
1: becomes crowded, right?
0: Yeah. I even like, I remember, um, uh, you know, a, a friend of mine who bought a Tesla and it's like, Oh, uh, do you want to go have lunch at the mall? And I'm like, uh, not not really. Can we go over here? Oh well, no. I need to charge my Tesla. Like literally, your lives change. You mm-hmm. go to destinations based on charging your vehicle.
1: So also, I'm looking at a graph from like a Fuel Institute right now, and it's it's like a summary of the cradle to the grave analysis of uh cars and in the tons of CO2 that they emit. And currently, an internal combustion engine car, on average, emits 66 tons. Right. A hybrid emits 47 tons. An electric vehicle, even though there's no CO2 from tailpipe emissions, um, emits 39 tons. So yeah, 39 is definitely an improvement over 66. It depends on where that electricity comes from, though. Yeah. See, Well, 28 of it comes from the, the electricity generation. So my point is this. If you're... Gas is coming from a carbon negative source, meaning they are sequestering more CO2 from the atmosphere than they're putting it back in. This ton thing becomes a negative over the life of the vehicle. It becomes a negative number. So negative something is a lot better than 39 tons. It just we we need to get, get ourselves there.
0: Is there anything else we missed with this?
1: Oh, I wanted to I could tell you about something kind of interesting that um, inspired my dad's use of Azola. Okay. the water-based fern. So there was this thing called, it's kind of a fun fact. Like Is that it had, edible, Azola? I don't think so. It's like, it, it, here's the, what's interesting about Azola. Um, like if it's on a pond or something, within a very short amount of time, it doubles. It's like, you know, it it will it will fill up any kind of container. Uh, under the right like climatic conditions, it will just keep growing and growing and growing. And that's like part of the reason he liked it. There was an event like 800 million years ago that significantly changed the climate of the Earth. There was basically like this freshwater lake, this giant freshwater lake in the Arctic area. And there was some azola there. This is like an ancient thing. And the azola kept growing and growing and growing. And it was sucking CO2 out of the atmosphere. And then the, the azola would like die and sink to the bottom, but more azola would grow and grow. And so it kept sinking. Uh, sucking up more and more and more CO2 from the atmosphere and sequestering it by dying and sinking to the bottom, which by the way, some of our oil might be from that, you know, like that all became oil later in time because it gets compressed. But my point is that it significantly lowered the climate of the earth and the amount of greenhouse gas in the earth because of this one gigantic Azola growth.
0: Yeah, I, I did like a quick little read. It, it's actually it actually is an invasive fern in some mm-hmm. locations, and they are actually looking into it as a food source because of the way it multiplies.
1: I don't know how yummy or yeah. You know, I actually just bought some azolla. I just had it ordered it and sent it to my dad because he's been working with it in like on its based on its like statistics, but he hasn't really like played with it, <laughs> and so I just for fun I ordered him some azolla. Is he gonna put it in the bathtub? I don't know what he's gonna do with it. Maybe we'll put it in some kind of um tray. Yeah, it, it 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 is dangerous. There was a similar species in not Azola, but something similar. I was talking to the um scientist from Australia. It was mucking up this dam in Africa somewhere. It not specifically azola, but something kind of like Azola. And they kept trying to like kill it off with pesticide. But if just a little bit of that stuff survived, it kept multiplying and multiplying again and again. And it just kept mucking up the dam until they were able to like eradicate it all. So anyway, luckily our plan is to keep it in a separate facility, you know, in an enclosed um, growing facility. Oh, you know, that would also be a good source is like those, you know, there's like massive like kelp, kelp in the ocean, like massive like kelp, uh, what do you call it the fields like the, the fields the, of kelp that could also be gasified that could also be turned into fuel
0: so the 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 job is to take it uh, and then and then you you would burn it how would what would you do no like- yeah it's
1: not burning it's gasifying which is uh you know i i i'm not an engineer myself but there there's a bunch of different processes but it's like it's you're extracting the lipids um from the biomass and it's through, pro- there's the pro- different processes. There's like gasification. There's something called hydrothermal liquefaction. I like we could, you know, we could get my dad on and he'll try to explain it to you and it'll all sound like, um, unintelligible, but <laughs> I mean, this is kind of why I'm trying to explain it as best I can. Cause I can, I can, I'm coming from a perspective of a layman, but, um, it's, it's a type of refining. Uh, and there's a lot of different tricks you can use to refine to turn one molecule into another
0: well we'll keep on thinking about our molecules right now but there's a question that I have for you Mike Keller
1: mm-hmm. what did I eat for lunch yeah that's a good question oh that's just usually what you say <laughs> at the end <laughs> thanks Natalie I actually had one of those Upton's like um, you know chickenish noodle soup things it was, was really it good? good it was delicious I love okay.
0: it so that's cool. Yeah. So what was
1: your one question? That was the question. It really was? Because <laughs> you acted as if that was not the question. Well, you know, I got to keep you on your toes. Mike I Keller. could just tell from your tone of voice that like, you've asked that same question in that same tone so many times that I, I, I knew it was coming.